Blog Talk Radio. And during the few moments that we have left, we want to talk right down to earth in a language that everybody here can easily understand. Tonight, ladies and gentlemen, it's all about satisfaction. Actually, that was kind of like me, the tone and the Got to be more generous with the way I present things, right? All right, so tonight on WWE Raw, there was a continuation of the draft for the premiere of both Raw and SmackDown Live, the prelude to Hell in a Cell, a brawl between Orton and <clears throat> and McIntyre, a battle royal for the number one contendership for Asuka's WWE Raw Women's Championship. The tag team titles are on the line and a partridge in a pear tree. Woo, that was a mouthful of intro, man. I, I just got to point out one thing. As, as this podcast goes on, I will be randomly inserting the fact that Granny Hulkster has now converted herself into a Las Vegas Raider fan because I just, you know, I have a feeling, even though she will deny and say, I am not, nor will I ever be, but she is, folks, she is. Anyways, now that I got that out of the way. Back to pro wrestling because tonight I'm supposed to be focused, right? Current SmackDown Women's Champion Bailey has created history. Okay, someone sent me this from Sports Kita. Current SmackDown Women's Champion Bailey has created history. Bailey has now set new two records. Okay, but <laughs> current SmackDown Women's Champion Bailey has had quite a run with the title, dominating and showing an altogether different side of herself in the last year. Okay. Bailey won the title in an episode of SmackDown last year, defeating the five-time women's champion Charlotte Flair to begin her second reign with the title. Okay, so Bailey has set two new records for the SmackDown Women's Championship recently. She became the first SmackDown Women's Champion to hold the title for a combined reign of over 500 days. The second highest is Becky Lynch, who held the title for 216, followed by Charlotte Flair, who held it for 189. Bailey has also become the first SmackDown Women's Champion to hold the belt for one full year, having won the title on October 11, 2019, on an episode of SmackDown. When taking into consideration both the Raw and SmackDown Women's titles, only one other superstar has held the title for one full year, Becky Lynch, who has held the Raw Women's title for 373 days. 
Bailey is currently in the feud with her former best friend Sasha Bay. Okay. That's pretty cool and there's no denying, you know, that Bailey did win the championship on that day. On that day last year, October, you know. So, um now I'm going to finally finally why are you guys sending me this stuff? I mean sir I don't need to know about Matt Riddle and the controversy that was said, you know, about Becky Lynch. It's just No, I will discuss all the juicy gossip later. I mean, it could be. If you have any questions, those comments, concerns, wrestle underscore radio on the Facebook, the book of face. Uh, see wrestle radio network forward slash facebook dot com, and for the Twitter, it's Twitter at B Train O Five Thousand on Twitter or at Brian Rails for my Twitter handle. If you have any messages you want to send through my inbox, so so let's get to the raw review before I just. Start in the draft, the part of the draft. So, Bailey makes history. Yay. WWE Raw results tonight. I watched some of it, folks. I watched the Women's Battle Royal. I watched the part of the tag team title match between Robert Roode, Dolph Ziggler, versus the New Day. Very good back and forth match. They showed uh, recaps. <laughs> I'm going to get to this on my rant. I don't want to waste my breath uh, ranting in 20 minutes in, but I'm going to say this nicely. Without an audience, dude, pick and choose your battles, right? So you want to make sure people are into your product. With somebody that's not well-known, people are taking precautions because of COVID-19. I get it. I said I will reveal my rant during my rant session during Off the Rails Uncensored in this edition of Russell Radio Network. Show within a show. How confusing but not really. So the draft concluded. Mustafa Ali spoke. A battle royal for Oscar's championship. Seth Rollins uh, <laughs> bid farewell. Who cares? Kevin Owens versus Aleister Black. So I have a feeling this is how they bullet pointed it in the back, right? They got to have prep for the show. So <laughs> this is kind of funny. McIntyre and Orton are getting ready for Hell in a Cell. I, I figured that this shit was going to go down. Um, Lana, oh dear Lord, no, 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 no. Of course people are going to react. And that's how I react with a big yawn. Because Lana winning the women's battle row, kind of like a surprise, but it's like, uh, oh my, we forgot about Lana. Cricket, cricket, chirp, chirp. I mean, you had all those talented women in there, like Bianca Belair, Shayna Baszler. Uh, the choices were endless for that championship, number one contendership for Raw Women's Championship, Oscars Raw Women's Championship. And you picked... You chose Lana. Okay, what you do? Ricochet versus uh, Cedric Alexander. They had a cool moment for the match. I think it was pretty cool. So... That's not a complete analysis, dude. I think this is the complete analysis right here. So, as soon as I, I don't think... No, I wasn't stunned at all that it was Mustafa Ali because, like, when he was in the back 
And he said, you know, I'm going to bring anyone. I'm going to start with you and you. A guy his size, that's like a chihuahua going up to a pack of pit bulls and barking its head off and not getting chomped down. Something was up, right, for the story. So, again, Mustafa Ali spoke, why are the results not up? I'm already in the review anyway, so it was a dual brand women's battle royal. I gotta see this one. That's definitely not the review I need. Um thank you this one. Wrestling Inc., this is a great review. Um Open the night, Tom, blah, blah, blah. The Amway Center. Join my Samoa Joe and Byron Saxon. It's actually not a bad trio. Let's see. Okay, Salas, uh, the superstars are eligible tonight, Andrade. SmackDown Live Women's Champion Bailey, Aleister Black, Alexa Bliss, Daniel Bryan, Carmella, King Corbin, Apollo Crews, Nikki Cross, Daba Kato, Del Ziggler, and Robert Roode, Eric of the Viking Raiders. <laughs> I guess you could say okay, this list includes Lacey Evans, Charlotte Flair, Jeff Hardy, Billy Kay. Lana, Keith Lee, Riddick Moss, Natalia. Titus O'Neill, Randy Orton, Kevin Owens, WWE 24-7 champion, R-Truth, Retribution, Mustafa Ali, T-Bar, May, Slapjack, Reckoning, and Retaliation, Matt Riddle, The Riot Squad, Ruby Riot, Liv Morgan, blah, blah, blah. Okay, out comes Randy Orton as Mike Rome does the introduction. So then McIntyre, Orton says once things remain the same, if he gets drafted SmackDown or not, the fact that he will take the WWE title from Drew inside Hell in the Cell in two weeks. So, yeah, this is going to be interesting. Um... Okay, so they start off with a microphone battle. McIntyre stands on stage with the mic now. He says, Orton is right. He congratulates him on being the only person to pin Drew in almost a year. Okay, Orton's up scrambling up the apron as Drew talks trash. Aleister Black versus Kevin Owens in a no disqualification match. And then you see Stephanie backstage getting ready for the draft picks and go to commercial. Come back. So... Raw selects The Fiend, SmackDown picks, Women's Champion Bailey, Orton to stay on the brand, SmackDown selects the Raw Tag Team Champions, the Street Profits, Montez Ford, and Angelo Dawkins, Charlotte Flay stay on the brand, so they're, they're playing it safe, basically, from this point, no disqualification match between Aleister Black and Kevin Owens, Let's snake out of here. I didn't see this part, folks, but it says they trade finisher counters early. 
Stoners, they start hot. Let's see. Black owns bro around the ringside, okay? Black basically hits his big kicks and ringside. New owns is nuts. Drops owns with a big roundhouse kick in front of the announcers. Owens launches Black into the barrier. Owens goes for the corner, cannonball against the barrier, and hits it for a pop. Okay. What? No, please don't use turns. Black launches him through the announce table for no, no, no. Let's see here. Owens still kicks out. Blah, blah, blah. Can we get to the good one? So Owens and Powerbombs Black through the table in the middle of the ring. Owens covers. I'm feeling this one was a Bloody Mary match, right? They're all bloody. Mandy Rose and Dana Brooke in the back talking. They'll be on Miz TV tonight. Back to commercials. So Miz TV moved to Raw. Okay, cool. Uh, SmackDown picks Daniel Bryan to stay on the brand. Raw selects Matt Riddle to come for SmackDown. So they're basically shuffling different superstars. Okay, cool, whatever. Go to the ring, see another episode of Miz TV. Okay, the Miz and Morrison draft-related jokes. Mandy Rose and Dana Brooks. Some tension between Rose and Miz to start out over what happened with Otis. Miz asks Brooke and Rose about going to WWE wins tag team titles and then tries to stir the pot tonight. Number one contender battle royal. So Natalia and Lana. So I guess I wasn't wrong. There was more talking, less action. I don't know. Lana gets dumped to the floor. Okay, so there's a mix of both. Healthy mix of action. And a healthy mix of yada yadaing on the fucking mic. Yes, I use that as a catchphrase because I can. We come back and Raw season premiere Miss TV is underway. Morrison is now a new featured guest. Why am I not surprised? Kofi Kingston and Xavier Woods won the SmackDown tag titles from Cesaro and Shinsuke Nakamura. So, Street Profits, it says, Adam Pierce is now backstage with Woods and Kofi and Raw Tag Team Champions. The Street Profits now, he has authorized a simple title switch. The two teams switch titles and now it's official. Robert Roode and Dolph Ziggler will make their case for a shot at the Raw Tag Team titles. They have some words, the New Day, blah, blah, blah. I think that'd be an interesting match, right? Street Profits versus the New Day? That'd be a damn, you know, actually good back-and-forth match. SmackDown picks Lars Sullivan to stay raw. Picks Keith Lee to stay on the brand. So, wait, wait, wait. Lars Sullivan is back even after missed the controversy? Oh, well, who cares? We're back to the ring with Seth Rollins. Farewell. Okay. Rollins comes out to booze and takes the mic. So we're down to more talking, right? And uh, he says there's no one to fill his shoes, especially not Dominic and Rey Mysterio. And to smack down with him. Rollins goes on about how it's Rollins Raw, but the, smack, the music interrupts. Da, da, da. Jeff Hardy. Is that it? Jeff Hardy. Um, okay, Seth asks Jeff to get the hell out of the ring. Fans boo Rollins. How do you know the fans in that Thunderdome are interactive, right? So it's like being 
on this show? I just, I'm sorry, I don't know. AJ Styles, wow, what a star-studded party this is. Hardy Edwards Rollins and Chelsea then do a triple threat. We go to commercial fans. <laughs> Seth Rollins versus Jeff Hardy versus AJ Styles. You see, I'll get to that later, my friends. So, in this match, who won? Why is it? Nah. <laughs> We go to commercial. Of course you go to commercial. I think that, okay, so in this match, (laughs) why didn't you give me the full article, damn it? So, that's not, no. That's not the entire results, no. Ringside News, please don't disappoint me. I liked his review somewhat, dude, but I'm not so certain that I will review it. So it says AJ Styles some, last Friday, AJ Styles, Naomi, The Miz, and John Morrison with SmackDown Tag Team Champions. They really because you can see the the Raw. Okay. Thank God this review is a little bit better than the last one, dude. I love it. Winners, Kevin Owens. So we're back to speed, folks. Yay. We're back up to speed. Hardy versus Rollins versus Styles. Who won this match? Damn it. AJ Styles. All right. I like AJ. Okay. Um, so if this is close to the Battle Royal, then okay. Actually, Mandy Rose and Dana Brooke on a match. Okay. Awesome. Angel Garza versus Andrade. And then... Let's see here. Master Chunk right at the top. I think, I believe. Post-match, Vega goes out to check on Andrade, but the theme music hits. Bliss is in the corner, scaring both. Scaring both by controlling her back. Contorting her back. The theme then shows up, and the pair hit Sister Abigail's and the male and female counterparts. I wonder if there's going to be any intergender tag team championships by Okay. So, Nikki Cross is on Raw. R-Truth. Dabakato, SmackDown pick, Del Ziggler, Robert Roode, and Apollo Crews. Okay, so the Raw tag team championships are on the line, and this was a very good match, folks. Uh, I mean, Robert Roode and Del Ziggler teaming up to face the New Day. I like the way the match went back and forth. I thought it was a very good pace. And then, uh, of course, Kingston and Woods retained because they just knew new additions to WWE Raw. So, Cedric Alexander is in on Bluff Bluff. All right. So then they do a recap of Mustafa Ali revealing himself as the leader of Retribution, which I'm not a big fan of because I'll tell you why, like I said in the rant. So Cedric Alexander versus Ricochet. I love the the fact that Ricochet knew he was outnumbered, so he took a steel chair, smacked it, and then pirouetted 
onto the mat, and the referee never saw that part, but, you know, it was just, it was nice to see a tribute to Eddie Guerrero in that capacity. So, Ricochet won by DQ. So then Raw's other complete drafts include Titus O'Neil and Peyton Royce and Akira Tozawa. SmackDown Live will have Carmella and Aleister Black. Okay, Asuka now comes out, and this is what I saw. So it was, let's see here, Nia Jax, Shayna Baszler, Natalia Lana, The Riot Squad, Nikki Cross, Tamina, Billy Kay, Bianca Belair, Lacey Evans, Mandy Rose, Dana Brooke, and Peyton Royce. Nia Jax had a lot of, uh, you know, eliminations again, but then she got eliminated by her own partner, and then, then some got eliminated, so by, by Shayna Baszler. And then all of a sudden what you see is complete collapse, you know, just complete chaos. McIntyre and Orton. And should we be surprised? So, I'm reading your question through Wrestle Underscore Radio, and I'm just, I'm kind of smiling. Yes, I mean, I did add that in the tag. If you didn't want me to add it, I mean, I could have easily just said, no, I'm not adding it. Wow, you know, I always hit the same time almost exactly. Ladies and gentlemen, following content is not suitable for minors under the age of 18. And if you don't like the way that I speak during this podcast, well then, kindly put cotton in your children's ears. Listen to this because we're all grown-ass adults. If you do not like language content, then I suggest you listen to shows about puppies and frolicking and uh, other shit. Anyways, any reproduction or attempt to copy the format and thereof of Off the Rails Uncensored, a coin podcast on March 7, 2016, a copyrighted podcast, any reproduction is punishable by law. And you'll be fine at $45 fine. All right. <clears throat> Buckle up, fuckers, because I cannot guarantee that you won't be offended, or you might actually agree with some of what I'm saying, or you may disagree, agree to agree, you know, to disagree. All right, monkeys in the truck, just please hit me my music. Oh, 
Okay, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, of the wrestling jury. There comes a point when we all notice things in professional wrestling. And so comfort booking meaning you, during this draft, brought all the people, you know, familiarized with the stories and, and the story arcs going forward. Some of them are no longer a part of the show. Was that a smart part? Was that a smart move on WWE's end to move guys like Apollo Crews and Big E to stay on that ring because he wants to be an individual? Said, no more, I don't want to be a part of New Day. It doesn't mean necessarily, folks, that it's the end of New Day because, look, they're still together. They've got Xavier Woods and Kofi Kingston. Guarantee, dude, if Ambrose was still in WWE, I hate to say it, but the obsession with bringing groups back together in WWE is uncanny. The way the booking goes, you have to make sense of, okay, what happened this week? What's going to draw the audience in? There's some things that drew me in this week, I'm not going to lie, like the Women's Battle Royal, for Oscar's number one contendership. I know a lot of people are bitching about Lana, but I mean, I don't know, folks. She, her winning the battle royal for for what purpose? I mean, she must have done something correct. I don't know to be a shock value to. This is a slap to the fans' face again. I don't know what is because not only Lana winning the battle royal, but Mustafa Ali booked to be the leader of Retribution. It's like. What kind of horror booking is this, right? What kind of horror film am I watching? And then I realized maybe it's because they have a limited amount of entertainer, you know, wrestlers. To put in the slot of uh, being the reveal, the OMG, I cannot believe Mustafa Ali is part of uh, Retribution. You know, he was an original in NXT, right? One of the originals he was told... It'd be nothing more than a cruiserweight and going past all this. I mean, you'd really have to <laughs> dig deep in your arsenal to pick somebody that, you know, has a name that's not going to be like, OMG, you know, I cannot believe it was him all along. To a normal wrestling fan, they're like, why couldn't it have been somebody cool, like a big name? I know The Rock's doing, you know, he's got COVID. And I know that Cena is also doing Hollywood shit. So whose other names could we put on that list? Could have been Paige. Could have been Mario Ranello for all we care. It could have been CM Punk. You asked me to give you specifics on who I would have chosen to book as the name leader for Retribution. Would have been so cool if it were CM Punk. Because then their ratings would have skyrocketed through the fucking roof. I guarantee you. But instead, it's the same comfort booking that gets WWE the option of, well, we have this person under you know quarantine, so we really can't use this person. So now we have no option but to choose Mustafa Ali. This really talented dude. But to be the reveal, I just, I'm beginning to wonder if this is like a half and half type booking. 
and it's a comfort thing. It is it's clearly comfort, meaning we're not going to jump outside the comfort zone. And it's also the factors of we don't have as many options because of the pandemic and because, as I said, the options are pretty much low right now, especially considering how many people have quarantined, especially uh, not just main roster. I mean, they did a documentary on the Finn Balor, Kyle O'Reilly, and Kyle O'Reilly said you can only work out in the garage so much until you go start going fucking stir-crazy, and you just got to get back at it. And What you call an addiction, man. Pro wrestling is it's like one of them addictive drugs. You just can't get enough. You just have to keep all of it going. Otherwise, you're just going to be another spoke on the wheel that gets replaced. I mean, I don't... Well, I mean, tonight's Raw wasn't bad. Actually, not Natalia, but Lana got an opportunity for the women's uh, Raw Women's Championship. One would open pray that there's a shock factor that doesn't get utilized, especially how Carmella, especially how Charlotte Flair. Keeping somebody champion is very important. This person was a huge fucking draw in NXT. I'm referring to Asuka. Now they're trying to revamp her career. Good job. At least you got one thing going, right? You got another thing going good. That's uh, the McIntyre-Orton feud. So in two weeks at Hell in a Cell, are we going to see Orton automatically drop the fucking title? I mean, not Orton McIntyre. My bad. I'm tired, folks. Forgive me. A lot of questions rise about factions, right? Is this faction worthwhile? Is it going to be a part of, you know, the conversations in the back between the head writer and, you know, obviously the senior producer and the owner of the company, right? The next bowl. You start out with promos because you know you're getting ready for Hell in a Cell. I get it. You got to reiterate what's going on so that the audience at home who's been watching from home because we have no choice is going to understand what you're presenting to them. Otherwise, like I said, it's going to be a shit show and no one will want to tune in. Well, apparently there are people tuning into this shit because we don't have much to watch other than NXT and old replays and occasional WWE Raw. It's like making a commitment that you're not quite sure about with WWE Raw because I'm happy that I'm also like upset at some factors. I don't have to be a Bailey fan to appreciate the fact that she's made history. Do I appreciate the fact that she's set a few records? 
No, I mean, honestly, Bailey's never wowed me as a worker, you know, unless she's working Sasha Banks. It's still, to this point, she's grown a lot from her career in NXT and her transition to Maine. But me, I don't really give a fuck. I don't care. I think that she's a good worker. Yeah, that depends. Again, on who the fuck she's working. Now, moving forward from that little tidbit... I'm going to go revert back to the whole decision to make Mustafa Ali the leader of retribution. Why? Of all the names that are on that roster, right, they pick Mustafa Ali. Like I said, he's not a terrible superstar to watch. He's not a terrible person to... Um, when it comes to pure wrestling skill and, and giving a match to surprise you, I mean, him versus Samoa Joe not too long ago, him versus Cedric Alexander, him versus Randy Orton. I mean, the guy's faced off with pretty big names. I'm not saying he's not a big name. Well, actually, I am. For the revealed. When somebody says, let's pick a random name out of the hat and let's have them be the reveal. It could have been anybody that would not have surprised you. What about Keith Lee? Since his personal title is Donovan Dijakovic, well, Mia Yim, on the side of things, it would have been interesting. It would have been fucking interesting. Had they picked anybody's name out of that fucking hat outside Mustafa Ali. Again, he's talented, but he, I mean, really, if you wanted ratings fucking draw, it'd be like, okay, let's pick a name. Name that would actually be familiarized with the fan base. But they're like, we have no choice. We got to go right away. Okay. So the decision... To, you know, I either pull the plug on the idea and concept was to bring a random cruiserweight in as the leader of retribution. Why? Because he's well articulated, he's cold, he's calculated. I mean, he's your stereotypical heel. And by stereotypical, I mean, you didn't, you know, I'm going to hurt you, I'm going to hurt you. That made it obvious right fucking there in the backstage area where they're sitting and he. I'm going to hurt. start with you, and then I'm going to start with you. And when he booted himself out of the ring, I knew it, it was either Retribution or The Fiend. And actually, that begs the question. I wonder if The Fiend is going to get disqualified, and even though it was a, it was a hell in a cell, and that pay-per-view is coming up, folks. So McIntyre versus your, uh, Randy Orton's of the world. And it's going to be hell in a cell. We've all seen how crazy Randy can get inside in one of those 40-foot steel structures. We've also haven't seen McIntyre get inside one of those things. But you know what? Is it? It is what it is. So that's that on that match. So Oscar. I don't know if she's defending folks. I don't know if uh, Bailey's defending. 
this is these are crazy times, folks, to which I'm not I have a clue. But I also do know that the Raw Tag Team Championship should be on the line versus Street Profits. Just saying, wait, wait. I got a phone call, y'all. So let me uh, let me patch this dude through. Hello. Hey, what's going on? How's it going, man? Not too much. Jordan Garber calling in. Rest fellow wrestling journalist from the uh, Jordan Garber Now podcast. My question for you is like, how are you adjusting to like the Thunderdome audience as like opposed to like a, a regular um, audience? Like you know the whole virtual thing, uh, creating a new era. And with all that coming to it, uh, coming to like a big end, who do you say is like the biggest star of uh, this new era if it ended tomorrow? Okay, so my thing with the whole Thunderdome or Thunderdome is it's not the same without an audience. And if I want my brutal honesty towards WWE, I mean, without us, it's I hate to toot our own horns here because I'm a former worker myself, and I can say this on the record, dude. I was a part of the non-official roster for NXT, I can tell you without an audience, this ship may or may not sink. I, It's innovative, but I think NXT is doing a better job in the Capitol Wrestling Center than the Thunderdome is. In personal opinion, not biased for the black and gold brand, but you can honestly imagine, my name is Enzo Amore, and I am. Imagine that era. Okay, with those guys. Yeah. It'd be hard to pull, it'd be hard to pull a fucking pop from a crowd, right? So... This era, I know he's not mentioned a lot because WWE, they do a lot to blanket him, and he does a lot to defend them. But Kevin Owens, in my humble opinion, is by far one of the best workers that WWE has and is not utilizing. Oh, without a doubt. Because Kevin Owens, like, if you look at his... uh, well, yeah, but if you look at his work in Ring of Honor and NWA and Evolve and all that shit, everyone and their brother's mother is going to say Adam Cole. No. Adam Cole is a great worker, and I've been around Adam before. Um, Tommaso Ciampa is another one that's very underrated that is not talked about. Another one I could mention that ties me in my mind, again, uh, Velveteen Dream. But they say because of his maturity issues that he's, you know, lacking growth. Bullshit. Velveteen Dream, if you push him enough on that fucking roster, could have been NXT champion. Could have destroyed Adam Cole's record. But no. That's on NXT side. They're like, well, what do you think Finn Balor? I said, okay, well, Finn, let me just state this for the record. Mad respect for his match with Kyle O'Reilly. But if you want me overall opinion, it's a tie between, in my mind, Alistair Black and Kevin Owens. You Alistair want, Black for the match uh, of the night. I think that I love the finish too. The finish was just like it was gold. It was because these guys are masters of their craft, man. They don't like in in the wrestling world. Workers are we're always told. You don't want to reveal the whole entire, you know, finale 
as a magician, you want to leave a little to the imagination and pull a rabbit out of the hat or pull a bunch, you know, tip the wand, make it flowers or whatever magicians do. But for them to give a teaser as to what they could be doing at Hell in a Cell, I'm excited because WWE finally realized their backs against the wall. AEW, even though their shit's all over the place too, and I'm not afraid to come after Chris because it's like this. If you're going to like mirror image each other booking-wise, like it's funny, Retribution, Dark Order. Uh, I can compare and contrast pretty much, let's think here. Um, the booking style of matches is very similar. That's just wrestling, and that's always how it's going to be. But as far as I can mirror this back, because I'm kind of tired, I work nine hours a day, apologize for that. But um, I think, and I speak for some people, not all wrestling fans, we're glad that there's entertainment, but fucking Christ. The booking system for WWE is starting to piss me off again. Why? Yeah. Because... The familiarity of bookings between you're going to bring your story arcs in instead of why not have a free agent rule? Why not combine? If you have a draft, you're like, well, we want to be have exclusive brand. I get that concept. But imagine the conversation with VKM. I, I'm just going to go with Moxley's referencing him because I don't want to get sued because I've met the man before and I've met a few of them in person. I've been on a show as an extra and I have mad respect for the McMahon family, but I'm going to say this nicely. It isn't an amazing that CM Punk prophesized what would happen if WWE did not listen to what the fans had been preaching. And that is go outside the comfort zone, man. You need to start booking in which the audience style is, okay, we saw some blabbing again, you know, at the beginning of Raw. I get it. You're trying to incorporate the feud in McIntyre and fucking Orton. Why not start a brawl in the back? Why not just get everything that's not nailed to the fucking floor and add some color? Yeah, because I get it. Their audience is mainly like seven-year-olds who think that John Cena is going to come back again. And it's like, no, folks. He may or may not. Same thing with The Rock, who, God, you know, please help that man through whatever he's going through. I mean, I mean that in the most sincerest way. But when WWE brings, like, legends that need hip surgeries back a zillion times, and no offense to The Undertaker, I love him to death. When they bring back guys that can barely fuck walk and you can tell Edge is hurt again, I have no – look, I'm not trying to be Mr. Negative here, but they were doing great. Whoever the fuck was booking the shows, I don't know if it was Hunter because I could tell there was a glimmer of hope in the fucking booking. But then the draft came back, and I said, oh, fuck me. <laughs> because yeah. if, because any, if any of us have watched the draft, it's like nothing changed. I literally – they literally brought the story fuse that they had going, okay, Seth Rollins and Rey Mysterio. And I laughed when Michael Cole said, the show that Rey helped make famous. Are you fucking fracking kidding me? 
after 20-plus <laughs> years in journalism school, Michael Cole, who created the phrase SmackDown Hotel. I'm going to check you right in. The Rock, dumbass. The Rock. And you're going to sit there and say a diminutive midget who is a legend and who, you know, helped Viva, Mr. Viva La Raza, Olale Mabira Dura, Eddie Guerrero. I mean, trust me, dude. People say that Michael Cole has no power influence over booking. Been through that system before, and let me tell you, he does. Because he insulted Daniel Bryan on live air, did not get reprimanded for it. And he's like, I was very doubtful about uh, Daniel Bryan adjusting to the main roster talent. I'm like, dude, Bryan Danielson is the best person to learn from, from the learning tree, and as far as advice goes in this business. Two, Michael Cole should not be anywhere near a commentary desk. If he's going to be anybody, it should be an agent in the back. But even then, he shouldn't even be an agent because that motherfucker couldn't see talent if it hit him right in the ass. I'm sorry. Well, you know what happens when you kick back all those years, right? That's what you get. And that's the only reason why he's sitting there in that chair. That's the bottom line, pretty much. Well, dude, it's like, how in the hell does Michael Hayes and Michael Cole and Les Thatcher and all the people in the back, not Les Thatcher excluding him because he doesn't do the – uh, I don't know if he does the scouting still. Maybe he does. Mr. Pritchard, I have respect for him and his brother. I met them at Monster Factory. I don't know them personally, but I'm just saying, from my opinion, what WWE is lacking right now is, okay, wow, I didn't expect that coming. Like, the reveal for the leader of Retribution, we're thinking, okay, it's got to be a big name. It's got to be... Somebody big to put it over the top. Even if it were Mick Foley, I would have said, holy fuck, Mick Foley? Yeah. It's just the name. It's it it does not, there's no shock appeal to me. Like, no one cares. That way he's not even over as a face or a heel, which completely ruins the value. Dude, it's like, okay, Mustafa Ali, great talent. Um, I have worked a show, like, worked a show with him on there. I was not a part of the show, but I worked a show with Mustafa Ali. Great dude, very classy, but if I were a booker or if I was the head writer or senior producer and I said, okay, I have all the cards on the fucking table. If it were Sasha Banks, I would have been like, wow. Holy fuck. I would have been like, okay, cool. Now it's going to be legitimized. If it were... If Becky Lynch decided to do part-time work, I would have been okay with it. But if we're sitting there knowing who who everyone and their brother's fucking mother wanted to see out there, and I've said this a million times on my show, CM Punk. You, Man, that would be huge. I mean, imagine a guy that not only held Raw hostage, not only created a group that was controversial in straight-edge society, but helped create the inner brainchild of the Shield. And though Hunter tries to take credit for creating it, no. Punk originally wanted Mercury. Not even Roman was supposed to be part of this group, dude. It was supposed to be Mercury. Miz was thought about, but not quite. 
But then you had Reigns in the back pocket as a backup plan. You had Colby, and you had fucking, okay, minus a Joe and I, you had John Good. So, to me, the fucking problematic thing that WWE just did was you fucking killed the momentum of a group that was basically running roughshod. And you having nickname gimmicks works in the Attitude Era. This is current day wrestling, which I don't know, you know, what flavor fans like, but you know, speaking from this perspective, it just says to me like how little you care for the fans. You're just like, okay, I, I only care about how much we made this quarterly sale on the merchandise, you know, and our because they make three checks, dude. They make their appearance, their you know, their net worth, and whatever else they make. I don't know. They can't do autographs because they'd have to social distance like fucking hell. But they make three checks. Yeah. Three. So to me, and and this is just from personal experience of being around the system, the problem, as Moxley said, is VKM because the final fucking say, like, if something looks awesome, and you're in the back, and you know you, I like I said, I respect the McMahon's. I respect every single last member of that family, but some of the fucking decisions that were made when I was around was, okay, it passed because there was an audience, but then you lose an audience when you make decisions for the guy that has anxiety as your champion who only shows up five, six, seven times a year, and his name is Brock Lesnar. I I understand you have to have an over-the-top heel, and he's that guy. Who other guys are you going to choose from? You got McIntyre. You have Orton, who's the overused heel. And I, I love Randy's work, but my God, it took them this long to flip the fucking switch. So long. It's like, dude, I've watched and been a part of wrestling. You know, I started out in the Indies back in '08 when, and Cornette said it best. FCW was kind of like the mad science experiment gone wrong because you literally had guys that meant that kind of meant nothing, you know, to, to certain people, the roster, like you don't really have like 20 guys when the original fucking FCW started, man. Cause that was like an independent wrestling show. Not even an outdoor show would get that fucking attendance. But like, I think, one of the coolest things was when NXT finally resurfaced because it was a joke when it first started, and now I, it's kind of it's e night now. Like you have people like Candice LeRae and Johnny Gargano, and people say that's a genius pair. I said I don't dispute anything they do except for the fact that it's very the feel of NXT is like super indie, if you would, but they're improving upon every little facet. Instead of like Raw and SmackDown Live, which is very how to put this, SmackDown Live I like in some areas. Raw, the only saving grace is tidbits here and there with Baszler, Jax, and the women's division. But Lana winning the fucking battle royal, why? Yeah, that's stupid. I they want shock value. When when fans say something to them, Lance Storm said it best, you know, in an interview. He said, like, I was part of, like, the booking team in WWE for a brief hot minute. He said, 
every time the fans would want something, they would book opposite and we'd get a negative reaction and we would lose viewership and we just still keep doing it. It's like, I hope you guys like losing money because WrestleMania 36 didn't happen. And yet everything that the fans wanted happened again. It's like, I always wonder with WWE because it's like hit and miss. You know, you, you get some bookings like, oh, yeah, I really like this the way they did it. I like the Eddie Guerrero moment tonight with Ricochet. I thought that was really cool. I, I and, love that finish. That was really good with the whole shades of Eddie Guerrero. That brought a smile to my face. I, I actually laughed because it's like, man, I have not seen something this funny. Like, just for a brief hiccup, you know, WWE kind of made us forget like, okay, this isn't just all serious wrestling. we got to have some comical moments aside from R-Truth, who that dude, I feel bad for Ron. I really do because if anybody's seen that man wrestle, he's got skills. And he's being put in the wayside being a joke. Well, yeah, for like a joke of a title. It's like it was supposed to be a hardcore championship and me and my buddies have the running joke that it's nothing more than uh, you know schoolboy or you know drop to your ass oh yeah you get a pin it's like dude that's like something you learn at the PC okay this is schoolboy okay this is roll up okay this is dirty pin all right this is a shoot the half it's like I mean it's the basics it's the basics fucking title and yet I'm going to bring it back to AEW. Cody and them are saying, oh, it's nothing like the 24-7 championship. Of course, of course you guys are going to say that because, you know, you're on the opposition, which I don't know if you've noticed, man. Like, I said it to some of my friends about AEW. They constantly reminding me of WCW, and they said we're not going to be bloated with oversaturated with former WWE talent. So what do you call – the May Young Classic roster for the women because they were that desperate, right? And then you've got yeah. Britt Baker, who's a great exceptional worker. You've got Hikira Shida, who tried out for WWE, but she didn't fit their mold. You've got Nyla Rose, who's not a former WWE talent, but she did try out for NXT and failed. You've got Jake Hager, Chris Jericho, Rejects from NXT, MJF, and Sammy Guevara, and they're not going to fucking deny it. Because Sammy's like, oh, that's Sasha Banks. She's fucking hot. I would rape her. Hmm. That's telling you something right there. You know, that... Uh-huh. You're, like... That makes you a bad... Like, you're born to be a bad person. And when you say something like that, you're born... You're born like that. You're bad... You're born to be bad, basically. Because that's not acceptable in society. It never has been, and it never will. And that's just the bottom line. So they, something said like that. It's like, how are we going to watch your matches and respect you the same way? Dude, like, I cannot look at Sammy Guevara the same because I, like, you know how, okay, when you go to a party or whatever, you vaguely remember faces. I vaguely remember seeing Sammy Guevara at tryouts. I vaguely remember seeing even Sasha Banks or because, there's so many people that come through the performance center that you don't even have a fucking clue. Like you have a dude because you introduce yourself and you do a roll. You go into the corner and you do another roll and you go out, you do a back bump, you do a front flip bump and you roll out. Thing is, I've seen how AEW and WWE compare 
as far as TV ratings. And yeah, AEW is winning the war on ratings. You know why? Because there's a lot of sick fucks out there that think hardcore wrestling is including, you know, in every single match there should be a chair or thumbtacks or barbed wire, barbed wire two by fours. And it was funny because when AEW was still out of crowd. Well, yeah, I mean, they had mouse traps, dude. Moxley took mouse traps with Kenny Omega. And I was like, dude, no, I would not ever fucking take a bump on mouse traps. I'm sorry. Even if you paid That's me $2 million, like, like, no, like, it would fucking hurt. And they're like, well, you just, like, big baby. Stupid. I said, no. Yeah, I've landed on barbed wire beds before. I mean, you know, I have landed on glass shards. And people say, well, do you have scars to prove it? And I said, dude, I've got a scar on my right thumb from match in which dude poured out a bunch of silverware and stabbed my fucking thumb with a butter knife. And I'm laughing my ass off going, dude, why why did I get myself involved in some of these style matches? Well, gee, because when you're young and dumb and you're like, oh, this is my big sacrifice for the business, it's just mm. – some of the shit that AEW does, I'm like, I've seen this stuff, and it's called Backyard. And I'm not yeah. dowsing on Darby Allen, but it's just like, I've observed their show, to be fair. I've seen some of the shit that, you know, Jericho looks totally out of shape. He looks fucking horrible. And they're like, well, you were just positive about Chris. I said, no. It if you look at Chris in WWE, he looks toned. He looks like he actually went to the gym. He works out in the gym and like, oh, he looks bulk. I said, no. At least when, if I won a championship and it was, we don't book for ourselves. That's another thing. The contradictory statements that some of the AEW owners have made, they're going to be like, well, what if you make it to AEW? So I have no intention of working for WWE or AEW. If they call my name, I would ask them who died. Okay, because like my honest opinion on both my honest opinion on both companies really is that I appreciate their their will and desire to entertain us all, but son of a bitch, Darby Allen's gonna get himself hurt or killed one of these days doing a stupid and he's young. cough and drop. Well, yeah, and he's young, but it's just he looks like the kid in high school that goes off skateboards that wears. You know, like the like the weird gothic shit, you know. And I'm like I said, I have no issues with kids that wear <clears throat> certain stuff. I don't give a fuck. But this dude is the same dude that I saw at Wrestling Revolver and Evolve shows. And they're like, you based talent off that? I said, dude, he's lucky he got picked up by Cody. And then why? Because he's a unique gimmick. He's a different brand. He's a different breed. But I'll tell you the fucker, and I've said this countless times on my podcast. Orange Cassidy. If I ever worked him in a match, I would kick him in the balls and make sure that I bloodied him and gave him two black eyes and a fat lip. I cannot stand that, dude. And it's because when you work with your hands in your pockets, you are asking for an ass whooping. <laughs> yeah, and it's a disrespect to like like the tradition of the business as well, as a veteran yourself probably. Yeah, it's just like I've been around in this business since 08. I've like conversed little tidbits with Kenny Bolin and I've can, you know, I met Jim Cornette at a very, very young age about like dude when I was 21 and Cornette 
basically went off on his show and said, you know, it's like he does things that are not necessary in wrestling. Like, if I had the star power to, you know, book someone against Orange Cassidy, I would tell him, just shoot on him. Even though I know Jim and he doesn't normally talk negative about certain folks and certain people, oh, that racist, oh, that... No, dude, Jim's a nice dude. He's just, you know, in this era, people get butt hurt and offended by what he says because they're like, well, he said this and that about, you know, this community and that community. Like, look, there's certain people in wrestling that annoy the fuck out of me. You want to, Cody Rhodes wants to emulate what CM Punk did by subtly jabbing at WWE every fucking chance to get real. You know, when they bring over Rusev and I'm laughing my ass off going, so all the mid cards? That's literally your entire show is the mid cards. One that lasted one week, and that was um, Matt Brone or whatever his name is, uh, Zack Ryder's real name. And, uh, and how I don't like revealing it lasted a week. And he, Matt Terrible. Cardona, there it is. You, you know, you last a yeah, week Matt on Cardona. the show, right? Yeah, Matt Cardona. And so <clears throat> I. I feel like, you know, if you're going to bring in former talent like WCW did, the sad part is Bischoff could keep talent, but then he also managed to book them in weird shit, you know, like bringing bro over Bret Hart and making him a referee, a special guest referee. And it's like, dude, no, that's not how you book a former WWE champion. That's not how you book somebody that just said, fuck you to WWE. I'm moving to the competition. Like, they're doing this outlandish shit with the Dark Order where they have, like, like <clears throat> Brody Lee, who was, you know, at one point in time, Luke Harper. And I'm just like, well, you know, he wasn't satisfied with his contract, and they, WWE couldn't find any room for him, so they moved him to AEW. Same with uh, the Revival. Revival was a great tag team. WWE didn't know what to do with them, so AEW took the scraps. Okay, so the very first time you're going to book them as tag team champions, then you're going to have uh, the Young Bucks come after, you know, and that that's... <laughs> they're like, well, we wouldn't expect you to tag team tournament. Every fucking week <laughs> is a tournament in AEW. Like, really? Come on, you fucks. If you're going to book something, can you please... Quit booking as if to say, we're going to book it from the workers' perspective. You know what that says to the fans? Um, What the fuck fuck are they doing? We don't know what the hell they're doing. Yeah, it's basically the fuck you to the audience. And they're like, oh, well, they won't mind this uh, feud between the inner circle, which is like the NWO black and white but modern version. And then you have... Uh, the Nightmare Rhodes Dream Street or whatever. You have Dustin Rhodes, Cody Rhodes, Hangman Page, Kenny Omega. And it's like, I'm not downing their talents because Omega's a pretty cool dude. I met him at WrestleCon. <clears throat> Pillman yeah, Jr. I wrecked uh, the show. show. He was He's a good guy. Yeah, and it's just like, you can't say that AEW doesn't have talent, but my God. It's like, I'll repeat. I'll sound like a fucking broken record here in just a second. When you contradict what you just said at a press conference in 2019 with Tony Khan and Chris Jericho standing at the podium 
And they're like, whoa, Mark calling us out on our shit. We haven't heard that before. Oh, yeah. Why don't you lose 50 pounds, fat ass? And I'm referring to Mr. Jericho. Like, dude, come the fuck on. With this style of booking, you're booking yourself in the main event. Oh, and also you said you wouldn't book for yourself at the podium. Yet Chris Jericho wins the championship over Hangman Mm. Page because they said, well, you got to have a name win it. So you have Jericho win. Wow. What a contradictory statement you just fucking made, right? And then to lose the championship inside a restaurant. Have it stolen inside, you know, into which Jericho was strapped. Yeah, and I was like, I was reading through it, laughing my ass off, going, you know, dude, they're like, whoa, you're just Chris Jericho. I was like, dude, he could diss me all day long. I'm just getting my shots in now. Because I'm pretty sure he's going to be like, what the fuck, man? You don't even know me. Like, <laughs> I've studied the career. I don't know the man. But I know that if you're part of a company that does what's nothing but whine about what WWE did to you and then turn around and say you didn't whine or you didn't say anything about them, bullshit, dude. Come on. I know for a fact that WWE doesn't even poke jabs at AEW because they know eventually they're when the audiences come back, you know which company, and I love saying this, is going to suffer the most. They're like, AEW is going to come back. I'm like, no, dude. They're nothing but glorified independence being given a chance, right? Mm-hmm. Because I have, I have, oh no, dude, I'm not taking shots. I'm just saying, like, I asked the guy nicely. They were like TNA and O2. Yes. And they're like, well, I asked the guy nicely, actually, because he's a part of the AEW Dark roster. And I said, hey, do you want to come be a part of my podcast nicely? So I don't know, bro, because of the busy schedule. You're on the fucking Dark roster, dude. You don't have time to show up to a show? I Give hate that shit, break, yeah. And then, I hate that. And then the egos like, come in, right? Right away. And Griff I'm Garrison like, is one of those guys. Yeah, and I'm just like, dude, I don't, I'm not insulted if you just tell me, no, I can't make it. But to make up the sensationable lie of, oh, I don't know, bro, maybe sometime on my show. It's like, if I get you on my show, dude. I'm not going to hesitate to be like, so why did you wait three, four weeks to tell me I can't do it? Oh, wait, I'm actually doing it now. So why did you wait two to three weeks tell me I can't show up on your show, but yet, you know, you wrestle on a shit show that eventually, like Triple H said, in five years will be bye-bye because merchandise for WWE, the merchandise for AEW. They're like, we're in Hot Topic. You don't have to broadcast on the fucking Superstation during a baseball game. Like, really, no the advertisement was what? Well, no one, because Hot Topic is so trendy now. It used to be Hot Topic was the store you go to if you, want to be, if you wanted to be different, if you wanted to stand out, if you wanted to get shit that nobody else would even bother wearing, right? Now, AEW, WWE, Nightmare Before Christmas, Disney uh, merchandise, and, you know, kid shit. It's like you just basically shamed yourself for corporate purpose. I mean, I get it. It's a business. You have to adjust. You have to adapt. But this dude, I'm sorry. Like, if AEW sets me off in the wrong direction, and I'm trying to be positive about them, and they're like, boy, it's so negative. I've had people unfollow me, unfriend me, because – 
if you know the name, well, it's like I said, you bring up names, you're going to be unprofessional. Like, no, dude. Sunny Kiss, I never cared for. Dude cannot work. I, I literally watched him in a match. They're like, he's great. He brings stuff to the roster. Is that code for we don't have anybody else, so we're going to utilize a body for a roster? Because this dude, he's not a bad worker. And people are like, well, what do you mean AEW brings out the negative in you? They do shit that's not just unsafe. Like Cody Rhodes' chair shot. I'm sure everyone in their uh, I remember that. heard this. Yeah, where you take an unprotected chair shot as a worker and then get concussed, and then you also do a moonsault and you land oddly on your toe. That's out of your control, but he's doing shit. He's like, I did it for the audience, and I had finished on adrenaline. Dude, I hope you like not being able to stand before you hit 50, because I love or even five I love Dustin. Yeah, like, I love... Dustin, Cody, and them, you know, they were really extremely nice. I met them four years ago when I lived in Kansas City as an extra on SmackDown Live. And Cody asked, like, you guys are using this uh, sauce, whatever I'm going to take from the table. The funny part about that story was, dude, like, I've got picture proof and not of the back because you're not allowed your phone to take pictures because obviously you'd be booted out. But, um, you know, some people ask like, what's it like, you know, what was it like being, I was like, dude, even then, Cody seemed very, like, quiet, very reserved, but there's a story that I've told to most guys, a guy asked Bully Ray while he was eating pasta, so, Mr. Ray, how do you throw a punch? Uh-oh. <laughs> and Mr. Ray goes, um, oh, you know, like, one would throw at your fucking mother. And he proceeded to rip this guy a new asshole about, you know, you don't talk to someone and bother someone while they're eating. Well, Cody pulled the guy out and said, who trains you? This part I don't disagree with, and this part made me respect Cody because, like, unless you were trained by Danny Cage, unless you were trained by Rudy Gonzalez, unless you were trained by Booker T or – you know, Carla Emerson or Luke Gallows or Tommaso Ciampa, who has a school, or any credible name, you really shouldn't be coming up to anybody, period. And I think that's fucking manners. But I respect Cody in that regard for pulling him out with his brother and saying, who trained you? The guy proceeded to say David Catton, and the guy goes, who the fuck is that? Like, literally, Probably someone not reputable. That's the one... Yeah, it's someone not reputable and someone whose name is not well-known in the wrestling world. And they're like, well, I was mentioning his name. Like, dude, that school is a joke. They've, You know, it's like I said, the one glue holding it together is Derek Stone. So I think what I'm about to say is when that one area I respect Cody in and I've met him, he's a nice dude. But when you sit there – when you stand there on the podium on AEW's premiere show in 2019 in Jacksonville, Florida, and you have people whose names have been heard of, and it's the hit new show, and it, you know it's bringing back people's love for wrestling. I disagree, and they're like, are you a WWE guy? No. I grew up watching ECW before someone introduced me to WrestleMania 12 when I you know, was eight years old. And I was like, wait, you watched ECW? I was like, yes. 
I watched ECW. I was traumatized by guys like New Jack and oh, Sandman, Bully Ray, Big Dick Dudley, Spike Dudley, I can, Shane Douglas, Dean Douglas, uh, Beulah McGillicuddy, Francine, Tommy Dreamer, RVD, Raven. AEW is trying to steal just a little bit of every single facet that was popular in wrestling. Is there something wrong with that formula? No. Then why am I bitching? Because they're trying too hard. And it's just... Yeah. I've seen... I've seen this done by TNA. They said, we're going to drive WWE out of business. They, I mean, for a year and a half, almost two, when it was like 08, 09. But when Hogan came and Bischoff came and then Nash and Hall and then X-Pac, I was like, fuck me. It's WCW all over again. I liked Impact. I didn't mind seeing, you know, Aces and Eights. I didn't mind seeing Sting. But their AEW tries to bring Sting in, I'm going to laugh. Yeah, same because with me. Because that that's the go-to that everyone's expecting. And I guarantee you they're going to try and create something. And they have... It's one thing to have so many factions. WWE has this issue too. The Hurt Business, Retribution, Undisputed... Uh, let's see here. They, you know, the Riot Squad, New Day still intact. Whether people love to admit this, well, New Day's not got Big E. Look, look, folks. If you're gonna play the faction game, you've gotta, you know, add the original members. So I thought to myself, if WWE loves playing this game of bullshit, why not drag up all the members of Sanity and have them go head to head with Retribution? I mean, yeah. it's not, like I said, I'm not trying to bore you to tears, dude, with my fucking rant. I'm just trying to get out what I've been really holding in because of my, like, fatigue from work. And that's because work in a warehouse nine hours, you lose your train of thought, you repeat yourself, you ramble. But, um, I mean, I got to ask a question, too. It's just like... Since you've been watching WWE without an audience, what is the biggest thing that is like lacking uh, specifically that you've noticed as an as a WWE Universe fan? Like, what do you think is the biggest thing lacking right now? Being able to tell a story by far, actually, you know, because that audience helps build that story, especially if it's an actual real live one, not a virtual one. And, uh, you know, I'm starting to lose a lot of that sense of storytelling in the match. And, uh, you know, that brings me back to being a fan since the early 2000s. And, you know, that it, it's taking away the storytelling aspect of it. That's one aspect of many, in my opinion. I think that the problem is is like there's too much blabbing at the beginning of a segment. Like if they have a fucking segment between McIntyre and Orton, let's say, if I was like, if we were writing the show, I would have said, okay, why not just give it a brawl feel instead of a microphone, you know, and just have fucking the catering, you know, all out in a row, this food coming, like people trying to set, I hate when they try and separate them. Right when the fight starts getting really good, 
And I'm just like, yes, McIntyre and Orton are magnificent workers. They really, you can tell the chemistry is there. Um, I don't necessarily agree with tweening Orton, but okay. You have low options because we're going to sit there and give, you know, a feel like, okay, we're going to have an intense brawl in the back and we're just going to take a commercial break and then you're going to come out and brawl. Like, that gives the fans, like, okay, we obviously, like, point out Captain Obvious, they're sitting in the back, not brawling, but when the camera's like, okay, guys, come on, we're going to brawl. Like, I've seen, I've seen that done before in NXT when it was uh, the Bob Villains and uh, Enzo Amore and Big Cass, and they'd be, like, sitting in the back, chilling, you know, talking about, oh, yeah, man, not in so much Enzo, that dude caused a fucking social ruckus like you wouldn't believe, but um, they say that nicely to their people. Say, I'm matured. No, dude, you really haven't. Still causing no, shit. No, not really. Uh, he's still causing shit. Still thinks, you know, his popularity is still there. Like, I couldn't believe the folks at WrestleCon that showed up for Mania 35 for him. I was like, you really going to line up for this fucker? Really? I was, <laughs> I was curious. Like, I was curious because... As the story goes, dude, he literally took, and I told Rich Swan this at Revolver because he worked Sammy Callahan's show, and I was like, look, you really want the answers to where Enzo got his shtick? He got it from me. And they're like, okay. He goes, I don't believe you. He's just like, why don't you uh, say a few things that Enzo, the real Enzo would say. I was like, you know, I walked down the aisle. I go to church. How you doing? I make the sign of the cross. How's it going? He goes, wait, wait, wait. And I said, yeah. You know, if it weren't for the fact that Colin Cassidy got along just fine with Eric, or he got along with him just enough, with me it was more like a contrast because it was me, Carmella, Enzo, and Cass. They had to cut one of us. Carmella was a better hype girl if you ask me. Colin Cassidy with Eric Arndt is, that's a death wish, man. You got one that's an alcoholic and doesn't know when to quit drinking. You have another one that will pop fucking pills and drink till the cows come home. And also, you know, I don't care if you smoke a fucking blunt. I honestly don't care. Yeah, but when you sit there on the fucking road and you're tired, and you see him get kicked off of bus after bus after bus after bus. And he has to take his own rental car. He has to dress in his own dressing room. Okay. And I'm not, you know, yeah. speaking, from, speaking from experience, yo, with him, I feel like if fans were to line up for him, and I told one guy the same story. He's like, you really want uh, an honest opinion of this asshole. Oh, Brian. Brian's going to tell the story. Yes, Eric. Yes, I will. Don't call me my fucking mom gimmick name. That's very disrespectful, bro. Oh, no, dude. I'm just going to sit here and let you elaborate on your uh, one-year career. <laughs> you get to Maine. You waste, you waste a $7.5 million contract, to which he had, right? So that's $15 million that he's going to pay him up front plus his $7 million because of the – my name is Enzo. 
I'm Ori, and I am a certified G and a bona fide stud. And you can't teach that. Bada boom, realest guys in the room, how you doing? And this right here, this right here is Big Kiss, and he's my bodyguard. He keeps guys from whooping my ass in the back and the front. How's it going? Dude, he said that I was an amateur boxing back and where in the fuck is the proof that you boxed? Also, who trained Enzo? Because you do a hammer lock, the universal thumb sign, whatever, you squeeze the thumb, give them a little secret, I'm not going to give away all. But when you squeeze the thumb, you're supposed to step through with a certain foot. Enzo steps through with the wrong foot and you hear... Uh, next day So Enzo How did you break your leg Oh bro The canvas was uneven bro I'm telling you Whoever constructed this thing <laughs> Needs to fucking learn I'm like No No Whenever you wrestle And you do a reversal You either step through With the correct leg Especially on hammer locks You know So you gotta pose correctly On headlock takeovers Not that he wasn't crisp On certain things But Enzo was fortunate That he was one of those guys That he would go to the performance center Or in the Like headquarters in Stanford And they have this gym Up there in the front It's like You teach him one move You can learn it But if you work him In a practice match That is when You would see the struggle Of like Okay We're in the middle of the heat What are you gonna do next bro uh, you know, I was going to drop kick, and I was like, you're going to drop kick me if you're the heel? That's a fucking face move, dude. If you're going to do anything, you got a thumb to the eye, you're not going to chop my ass, you're going to chop block me, do something. Or even work. Because, or even, you know, shove me out into the corner, utilize the referee, thumb to the eye. And I was teaching, you know, it was a teaching moment because I was like, dude, how the fuck do you not know how to do heat spots? How? Like, how do you get all the way to WWE and not know that when you have me in the corner as a fucking heel, and he's like, you break the corner, break, break, break. I was like, why are you saying break, 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 and you're the fucking heel? Okay, you're supposed to be calling the match. We're sitting here, you know, in the performance center. So he goes, comes in with sun shades on, pants droop down to his ass, comes in. Oh, bro, I could write a fucking million promos. Really, asshole? You can't fucking talk? You can't. That's like Eminem saying, I have a bunch of these raps, man, that I wrote in this notebook, and I'm going to go record, you know, eventually when I have the money. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. And that's exactly how I fucking felt, you know, towards... Like, the whole entire time that I was there, I got hurt, you know, and they're like, well, it's like Matt Polinsky, or what, fuck, sorry, Corey Graves, um, you know, he, Eric never got along. Why? Because Eric was an instigator, and that's something, you, he's like the locker room cancer. You cannot, we couldn't coexist with Enzo Mignogna. He, you know, when when Joe had fucking his leukemia and shit, would show pictures from Instagram, and it's like, oh, I remember those days. And he's like, bro, I'm trying to have a moment. You, do you mind? It's like, so you made this about yourself instead of his fucking leukemia, dude. Like, honestly, some of the shit that that dude did, 
uh, is forgivable, but others, you know, will say, well, that's not professional mention of shortcomings. Uh, no pun intended, but that dude, when he got into WWE, had a lot of shortcomings that were coming. Like, for the fact that he had no formal wrestling training, lied about his background, told the whole entire fucking locker room that he was going to be an ex-champion, this, that, the other, because he so because he made it past the fucking uh, routine that you all do at Performance Center, which is like the endurance. It's like the combines, the NFL. And William Regal's there. You have Matt Bloom, Byron Saxton, Sarah Amato. You've got... You've got a lot of fucking people, incredible, you know, that can teach you. You have Norman Smiley, who's still there, the nice dude. These are people that try and teach you, and if you don't fucking listen, they try and teach Enzo, but he wasn't, he just, the only thing that stood out to the fucking generated, you know, creative that was there, the general creative that was there, he did a promo on mozzarella cheese and caught the attention of Triple H, caught the attention of William Regal, caught the attention of the Pritchards, caught the attention of Gerald Briscoe, who now I believe is retired. So now it's just Patterson as one of the scouts and agents. The point is, Enzo's career was basically, you know, in a nutshell, it was a flash in the plan, you know, flash, a flash in the pan. Sorry. Cannot talk on fucking set hours of sleep. But the point is, huh. dude, I'm going to get back. To, sorry for my fucking rambling is when WWE books, it seems very like they're working out of their comfort zone. No, no, they're not. It seems like they're working. Oh, this story arc. Gotta, we gotta draft these people over here because, uh, you know, it's gonna make sense. I, I promise you, it's gonna make sense. To the audience sitting at home, we have seen this bullshit before. Can you please, to love of all that is good and decent, not lie to your audience of how you, the draft is going to shake things up? More like it, it's like Bill Murray and Groundhog Day. It stayed the fucking same. Yeah, I agree with that for sure. No, you're right. And, and then, shake things up. They said that for the past ten years already. Like if they would do something different, it would be it would be fucking amazing because now the audience is gonna think, Okay, well now we can look forward to the same story arcs because Ray Mysterio Seth Rollins. It's a good story. But why can't why do you have to have exclusives? Why can't you just have one or two that could be free agents? Like, you could have easily put Big E as a free agent. They're like, well, you just want him as New Day. No. New Day, and that's another sensitive subject, they are just like the Shield. You know eventually WWE creatives going to be like, oh, well, there's going to be some factors into getting them back together. Fucking Christ. They couldn't. I don't mind them holding on to tag team championships. That is not the issue. The issue is when you have them as a group for so long and then you just break them apart. Why? That was dumb. Who's ever like, there's no logic that behind was. that at all. It, it, it just makes there's you say, no where's the logic behind that? 
It's like you have Xavier saying the same shit fans were saying. Where's E's name? E's doing on SmackDown Live. I'm like, really? Really? So what is E going to do as a singles competitor? Other than be jobbing to all the main event superstars. Like, okay, so he's going to get attacked by The Fiend, obviously. So he's going to lose to guys like Jeff Hardy and Matt. You know, Matt Riddle's now on Raw. I also want to bring up... But, I also want to bring up Tucker as well with Otis. How the fuck is he going to pull off a singles run? You know what I mean? Like, he's going to be gone in the next three months. Like, he's not going to get pushed. It's just like, Otis, I can, you know, if they turn his character, like, give it a complete 180, like, make him a powerhouse, cool. But if you... If you Tucker... Okay, that depends. I've seen his solo work. It's not bad. It's not good either. It's very Zack Ryder-esque. It's very, um, if you put Rick Steiner, and that's Rick Steiner, Scott Steiner as a solo, and just combine all of that, that's Tucker. That's like splitting up American Alpha. That was bad for Jason Jordan. That dude. I agree. That was pretty bad for him. It was bad because, yeah, because, with Chad Gable, who was willing to, like, sacrifice, you know, bring out his laptop and show Vince ideas, and they're like, did you read that? I said, no, I just know that's how Vince is very fucking stubborn. Yes, I brought up his name because I don't intend to work for WWE unless, like I said, unless they call my name by a miracle when the audiences come back and say, hey, we want your show to be on the network. By some fucking miracle, I'd be like, well, um, uh, who died? Because... Literally just sat here for the last 45 minutes to an hour bashing the company. Not bashing it, but telling you. You've been on a rant now. Uh, I just called in to give my contributions, and you cut a one-hour promo. Well, yeah, dude. (laughs) It's like, how do you – I've been trying to get it out and fucking uh, not micromanage it, but it's like, dude, it's been a minute since I've roasted WWE's marshmallows. Oh, that's the most fucking PG I'll ever get. Sorry, the uh, pardon my friend. The most entertaining part of my night. I was better than Rob. (laughs) Thank you. Oh, man, I got to call and do this again sometime soon. Oh, for sure, bro. I'm going to hang on a second. One second. Okay. So (laughs) I was answering a question on Instagram. I said, why are you guys tearing down WWE? Look here. Sensitive Nancy, I have told the audiences plenty of times, if you get offended by my show, I cannot guarantee you won't be offended, but if you actually agree with me, that's an added bonus. I say that in the disclaimer at the beginning of this show, and if you can't handle it, you know, exit stage left, I'm not going to be mean, but dude, the reason why I'm telling the truth about WWE is because I am sick and tired of holding it in. I am sick and tired of Michael Cole taking my goddamn catchphrase that should have been a t-shirt by now off the rails uncensored. Hmm. You know, every single time that they made a joke about it, ever since I told them the copyright, they terminated my Google account. They, as in, you think you did me a favor? Dude, I haven't even checked the Wrestle Radio Network Google account in like four months. So, <laughs> more power to you guys. It's so fucking funny that, you know, every single time that uh, someone says something about you guys, they either get shut down or copyrighted or told they're going to get muted. You can't. There's been times, dude, where my show has been like mysteriously hung up on. They're like, is that your phone service? But no, 
It's the powers of be telling the towers at fucking blog talk in Seattle, Washington. Like, can you shut this guy up? <laughs> That's probably how like, I no, did, dude. too. Because I, I remember, like, what? me as a podcaster, too, running shows and me going rants on WWE. And my show just shut down, too, actually. Uh, so that's a coincidence. Uh, I feel like sometimes they have that power, and it's ridiculous. You know, everyone deserves to spread that word and voice, and, you know, put those writers in line, because most of those writers, honestly, aren't qualified. Okay, you've got Dana Warrior, and you've got Michael Hayes. Brian James is cool. you got Shawn Michaels, and you got Triple H. Like the, the, the writers, those guys fit. are fine. The yeah, those ones. guys are fine as NXT writers, but then you... Well, then you've got fucking Vince McMahon... And Bruce Pritchard, Bruce Pritchard, I don't have a problem with. Or is it Tom Pritchard? Would it, Bruce, because Tom's the fucking worker that trains guys and he actually has a promotion team, out here. Yeah. yeah, but it's just like I've I've told guys, and people are workers are surprised. They're like, you can speak from a worker's perspective. It's like, dude, I don't know everything, and I've told this before. If you are a worker or an audience member, don't act like a fucking snob because that's a turnoff to people. I like reaching out to the people because you guys are the ones, we are the ones, I should say, that watch a show, that buy the merchandise. But you know what? It's cool because WWE's merch section is better than with a shit show. Yeah. They, they basically, if you don't listen to an audience, and it's what Michael... Um, yeah, the real Mike Bennett said on his Twitter, he said, don't be so snooty towards the marks. He goes, don't cuddle them or coddle them either. Just listen to them because they're the ones that buy your T-shirts. They're the ones that stood in line for you to get your autograph. They're the ones that stood in line to get your picture. Do you owe us anything? You know, no, but you owe us some debt of gratitude for at least showing up and, and – you know, watching our phones and taking pictures with our phones and trying to get the best angle for a slam or a finishing maneuver or whatever. I don't think wrestlers owe us anything. I just think you owe us a good show. That's what Lance Storm said on his Twitter. And I think you're right because whenever you start making points and hitting home about the fucking main bread and butter of WWE, hmm, hey, Tower One, can you shut down a Wrestle Radio Network show? Hey, Tower 2, can you shut down this guy's show, blah, 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 blah. Like, I don't know if they actually do that, but I I want to believe that it's not the phone service that's the issue, folks. I want to sit here and no, watch definitely not. my wrestling. Yeah, I want to watch wrestling shows, which I was like, man, that show was great. Tonight, until like the the bitter end of the show, like the women's battle royal was a shit show. They're like, what do you mean? It's like it's like the WWE Royal Rumble, Women's Royal Rumble, all over again. You have talent in there like Baszler, Bianca Belair, who's been overlooked, even in NXT. They're like, well, there must be something wrong with uh, her mo, her way of working. And I'm like, no, like Bianca Belair is a powerhouse, and yet she gets overlooked. Like, come the fuck on, people. Why couldn't she go to SmackDown Live and challenge Bailey? That would have been cool. Because that would have been a great match. I think. Yeah, but the, here's a little known secret, dude. My trainer told me this a long time ago, and his name is uh, Scott Vita, and he uh, was on the first episode of WWE Raw. I can't even look him up as Tony Vita. 
he was an extra that you know he worked with uh trained with the headbangers at monster factory on their pretty boy larry sharp and uh, anyways he also helped train senior referee john Cone. at you know who's in charge of the extras now team. i believe well he's also the senior official and he's in charge of payroll and he's also in charge of um He's also kind of an agent, but not really for referees. Like, he's kind of the final say, like, whether you get through, whether you don't. John's a nice dude. I actually pissed off Ric Flair. I'm a referee. Hopefully. Hopefully, yeah. Yeah, myself being a referee is good to get his attention. (laughs) Well, just the other thing is, dude, it was funny because I think I pissed off Ric Flair because every time I see him, boy, I get a fucking look. It's because I was talking nonchalantly with John in the back, and I kept getting this dirty look from Rick, and I respect Rick. It's just, boy, you know, Rick Flair, the person, and Rick Flair, the character, same guy. Nice, yes, but also kind of like, I don't know how to gauge Rick. I hope I didn't piss him off too bad because, you know, it's bad juju if you piss off the nature boy because that dude can really – really have a say in if you're going to be in a company or not, because I trust the word of a 16-time world champion, you know. But, uh, no, no, I mean, his advice to me and my friends, dude, when we were sitting there with Kevin, uh, Kevin Owens was like, look at me, dude. I, he goes, I wasn't the standard, but I kept going. He's like, don't let anybody tell you that you can't do this shit. And we asked Rick, we turn right around and ask him, you know, in the fucking gorilla position. And uh, he goes, um, <laughs> Rick, I don't know what else to tell you. Just try your best, kick butt, and go to NXT. That's like the main thing that people strive for because the official is there. You know, you make three grand per match, right? So, <laughs> like, your salary waivers, no. For referees, it's the same. For like uh, the ring, you know, ring announcers, it's the same fucking salary or more. Um, and the interviewers, they get little to minimum. You know, they get the minimum and the maximum for that matter. Uh, but as far as like refereeing goes, even in, during this fucking pandemic, dude, my my thing, you know, have you ever heard the name Brutal Bob Evans? Yeah, Brutal Bob Evans, great guy. Um, I actually, a few years ago, went to one of his seminars, the nicest dude you will ever meet. He also has influence. So if he has a seminar near you, I would go seek him out and ask him advice and what to, like, how to do things. Um, If Danny Cage has, you know, a monster factory camp, I don't know exactly where you live, but he sent me an email. When it's a monster monster factory Huh? Uh, Winnipeg, Manitoba. Oh, well, if he has one of his uh, Monster Factory camps, I would suggest going because, um, dude, this okay. This is the same school that produced Riddle, Gallows, Anderson, Sheamus, King Kong Bundy, Tammy Lynn Sitch, or Sonny, the Headbangers, Godfather, D'Lo Brown. My trainer. Well, John Cone was part of a different monster factory. He also trained at Harley Race, but uh, they train referees, wrestlers. Um, like, there's, he's, I think, I don't know what kind of deal he's got going on right now, but I mean, you can check him out. 
on monsterfactory.org. Like the school is even on like a documentary on the Fight Network. Uh, I'm pimping them out for a reason because I like Danny. He gives brutal honesty. Um, not just brutal honesty, dude, but like this school not only teaches you wrestling, but it's like, okay, this is what you should be doing. This is where the hard cam is. This is where you set up the ring, and you know and I know as workers. There are people that are meant to do this. There are people that are not meant to do this. And I decided after going to Danny's um, super camp, I was like, man, I can't get back into this. And Hurricane Helms was there, Les Thatcher, and Rudy Gonzalez, the dude who helped uh, train Brian Danielson or Daniel Bryan. And um, there's some big names that come through his school, like Lince Dorado was there to just help roll around and get himself healthy again, you know, get himself back in the swing of wrestling. Um, Mick Foley has stopped by that school. X-Pac has stopped by that school. Um, Stone Cold Steve Austin. So Monster Factory, pretty big deal. Because I think... No doubt about that. Yeah, because... I want to thank you for... uh, giving me the chance to be on your show, man. I really appreciate it, and uh, hopefully I can call in again another time very soon. Oh, for sure, brother. Um, I think you can call, like, any... Because I also have a... It's the spinoff shows basically this version, just a longer rant, um, off the rails uncensored, dude. You're more than welcome to call into the show. It's uh, Wednesdays. I normally do it right after uh, NXT. So... You can call in whenever the hell you want, dude. That, this was great, man. I had a great time. Sounds good, man. And we can get you on the Jordan Garber Now podcast as well. It sounds like uh, we can do like a simulcast or something sometime in the future. For sure, man. We definitely have to set that up. I let you know, dude, this felt very therapeutic, and I do much. This sucks for me saying this, but wow, I actually finally got off my chest what I needed to get out. It feels good at the end of the Woo. day. You know, I'm a ranter as well, so I feel like uh, that goes hand in hand. Oh, dude, it felt like a fucking metaphorical therapeutic massage, if you will. Get all <laughs> that stuff out and not ramble for a change. Dude, I normally ramble around in the fucking circle, then the phone hangs up. Like I said, I don't know if it's the powers of be that got shut them up, please. Sorry, I'm not using Bray Wyatt's puppets, I promise. Um, (laughs) (laughs) All right, folks, to close this out, uh, I'm sorry, I have bad memory, but what was your name again? Uh, Jordan Garber from the Jordan Garber Now podcast. Okay, Jordan Garber, man, you like what Jordan Garber and I had to say. I got three choice words for you. Forget about it. Thank you, Jordan, for being on my show, brother. And toodles, bitches, I got to go to sleep, get up, pick up, you know, get on the bus stop, get on the bus, like go to the bus stop, get on a bus, hop on a queue and get the fuck to work. But, you know, again, thank you all for tuning in, and we hope to hear from Jordan again, and I hope to that your call drop cool. Um, <laughs> thanks, dude, for being on my show. Toodles, bitches, I got to go to bed for real. Forget- The cost of something I would be 
Don't push it now.